Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here as always with Byron Lambert. Make sure, if you like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you give us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you give us a good review as our iPhones are blowing up. Our first dynasty drafts of the entire season have begun. They are industry dynasty drafts. We are actually on the clock. We'll have that to talk about. We have the dynasty draft cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com that should be due out in the next few days. The MFL 10 cheat sheet under construction. The fantasy landing spot primers. Uh, coming out one by one, we are up to round three. There is so much to get to. Byron, how do we even start? This motherfucking trash, man. <laughs> Already getting saying? me on big tilt with a text message right as I'm trying to open this podcast for Roster Watch Nation. By the way, we love firing up the pod. Yeah. So much fun just to come in here and fire up the pod. Schemes, plots, plans, employees, we got them all today for and you, things, boys. And things are coming home to roost. Hey, just before we even get to this, just one quick thing. Coming home to roost for Roster Watch Nation. We've been saying it for ever since the beginning of this podcast that we didn't understand why the Bills hadn't already sent Doug Whaley on a long walk off a short plank right into incoming traffic. Just once again, everything coming home to roost. We are one step ahead with the, with this dynasty uh draft cheat sheet coming out we're going to be two and three steps ahead on some of these players because we do have maniacal plots and plans uh to start the pod we'll give roster watch nation some of our what did trash man do some of our uh, uh final thoughts uh from the fallout from the draft uh just kind of from a bird's eye view also i have developed the skeleton of the dynasty rookie draft cheat sheet uh, version 1.0, while Alex has uh, written up uh, the rookie primers for all the skill position players uh, right there on the site at rosterwatch.com. It's terrific work uh, by our editor, Alex, right here with us. So it's going to be a real meeting of the minds live on this podcast as uh, we put all of that intelligence together and hammer out the finishing touches on version 1.0 of the Dynasty Rookie Draft Cheat Sheet, which we will have live for our pro subscribers either tonight or at least by lunchtime uh, tomorrow. Uh, Alex, before we get to the thoughts from the draft, actually, this has to do with What the hell's going on with Trash Man? Well, I I really, one of my primary thoughts from the draft was Obi a Raider, Ryan Switzer a Cowboy. I personally couldn't be happier. And of course, this, the Trash Man is texting me right now. Uh, Alex, uh, Alex, me and the Trash Man, I think it's I and the Trash Man, are all in an experts dynasty league, a, a maniacal IDP dynasty league put together. I and the trash man? No, the trash man and I. Alex, the trash man and I. Because what you do is you think you got to take all the other think, ones out. Yeah, you think about what it would be as if it were you by yourself. I knew I was in there somewhere, yeah. <laughs> not me. Uh, nonetheless, we are on the clock at pick 3.05 in a 14 team um, experts dynasty league on the series with all of our cohorts at SiriusXM. Uh, it's been put together by our maniacal program director, Matt DeWitch, and the, who's, score, who's, who's the scoring is so cockamamie. everybody with cockamamie scoring you, that only he understands. Yeah, you won't believe it. Um, anyways, it runs deep, and we're on the clock having to figure out what we do at 3.05 because we got rid of our second-round pick in an attempt, uh, a successful attempt to move all the way up to 1.01 so we could land the biggest fish in the sea. Our sweetest son, Leonard Fournette, is a member uh, for, of Roster Watch Nation now as we compete against the other experts at SiriusXM. So anyways, we're at 305. This is an IDP league. The trash man has been in control of this team for a few years. I think we're going to have to take it back because he's put up a Run real the sorry losing effort, <laughs> yeah. and he still just doesn't continue to understand the importance of getting these good defensive players that can excel in this cockamamie scoring system. 
And he's sending me texts that he wants to take Mitch Trubisky here. And I said, just what in the hell is going on? We have Marcus we have, Where in the world? Get your head out of the dumpster trash, man. So I sent him back. I said, I agree with Alex. This either needs to be Barnett, a defensive end who can get us some sacks and really blow this defensive scoring system the top off of, a, off of us for it, a guy who broke all of Reggie White's sack records in college, or this needs to be our boy, and I thought this would appeal to the trash. Man, his favorite team is the Cowboys. I said, this needs to be Ryan Switzer if we're going to go offense. Our receivers setup. stink. In a PPR, it's a fantastic pick. That is a that that was an excellent pick by the Cowboys. And the trash man just texts me back and says, oh, man, if we're going to take a receiver here, I really want Taewon Taylor, not Ryan Switzer. And it just gets me so irked. Because the trash man has a bias against Ryan Swister that he has been unwilling to relinquish only because we've liked him so much. I've liked him so much. He has had a bias against Ryan Switzer since day one of senior bowl practice, and he's been stubborn about it. And look, we love Taewon Taylor. We actually had to he's argue on the old senior bowl had roster. to argue with Trashman about Taewon Taylor possibly going over Josh. And here's Reynolds. the thing about Taewon Taylor, he's gonna take that job from Tajay Sharp. He's going to go right in there and take that job because Tajay Sharp I'm sucks. just – well, maybe so. Dude, Taewon Taylor's a different level of uh, athlete than I, that slug. I, I'm skeptical. Uh, look, here's the thing. I don't like him as much as Ryan Switzer in Dallas. I don't I like him don't. either. I, I just I, don't. I, I don't like him as much either. That, but I am saying that I am saying that when you think about what's going to happen with, with Taewon Taylor, I mean, he's pro- he's probably has a more direct, direct – line to maybe cracking the starting lineup. Oh, this is going to be Rashard Matthews, Corey Davis, and probably a Taewon Taylor inside. He's better than Tajay Sharp. These are guys we've both seen live. I don't know, man. I don't know. And I think you got to throw Delaney was, Walker into the mix. Cole Marcus Beasus, Mariota has not proven that he can Delaney be. Delaney Walker's about to be 34. Like, he's going to be out. Yeah, of, they drafted Jono Smith, Delaney Walker clone, for a reason. They've got I a lot of call, mouths. I wouldn't call him a they Delaney they got a Walker lot clone. of mouths to feed. Guys like Trey McBride were never able to climb the ladder there. I haven't seen these things that they hate Tajay Sharp as much as you. They liked Tajay Sharp to begin last season an well, awful lot. How could lot. they? An awful lot. How could they? And He's the I, least explosive I, player I've ever I, seen. I just think Taiwan Taylor has a long ways to go. To Since get, when do you like Tajay Sharp? I, <laughs> the trash man was the one who really loved him. Well, the trash man's a disgusting piece of despicable What filth. I'm saying is Taiwan Taylor has a long way to fantasy relevance. Ryan Switzer has a... It, in Dynasty, I feel like has a pretty direct bead to being a serious, serious player there. Marcus Mariota, I get. I guess you could argue Prescott ha- hasn't shown that he can deliver fantasy relevance to second and third wide receivers, but I, I want to see it out of Mariota. He's got to integrate Corey Davis before he does anything else. That's a lot of project, a lot of young guys for Mariota to integrate. Uh, anyways, Byron we'll Lambert and Alex Dunlap here on the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by rosterwatch.com. Uh, I see Mike Dempsey has sent us a new trade offer for 3.05, which we are sitting on right now. The first trade offer sent CJ Anderson for this pick 5.05 and a 2018 three. We will not be taking that. The new pick, he, the new trade he has sent, year 2018 round two pick for our. 3.05 and our next year's three. I'm not sure. What do you think about two? Yeah, next I like year? that. Two, what is it? Well, two point one now? We don't know. It's just a second rounder next year. 2018, two. Just to trade completely out of this pick. Just trade this pick and this pick alone for his second next year? No. This pick and our third next year? No. He's asking no. too much. Too much. We'll, 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 we'll trade him this one for a we'll, second next year. I mean that's 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 how an NFL real that's how a real trade in the NFL would work. Do you want yeah. to counter with that? Look, we don't know who to pick here. We're arguing about it. Let's trade the pick and get a better pick next year and restock, restock the cupboard a little bit. That's okay. what the good GMs do. So we'll say we'll send you pick three point zero five this year for your twenty eighteen two. No more messing around. Proposed trade to Mike Dempsey of the Football Diehards and Ten Ten XL Jaguars Radio. In Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, now that I'm over my rant with the trash man, he just loves. He's he loves the. Oh, he just loves to. God damn it, he loves to needle you at the wrong does. time. And, and the thing is, the fans of the radio show love him the most. And he's the one that does the least work. His opinions have the least substance, and people still love him. 
All right, let's get to our thoughts from the draft before we start hammering out this version 1.0 of the Here's my thoughts. Draft hey, sheet. hey, Philly, you guys are dirt balls with you know icicles stuck up your ass for half the year. You fill uh, s- snowballs with uh, batteries and you throw them at Santa Claus, but you can put on one hell of a draft. That thing was best draft amazing, ever. and he, and you like you looked at it. It looks like a rock. It looks like a Rolling Stones concert, or like it it was it was amazing, and you could just see in the like the sparkle in the eyes of like a Trey Wingo or you know these guys that were there covering it. That it's just like you guys can't believe the atmosphere here. It is electric, and it, even on, I mean, I think by Friday night it might have been even better because the people were drunk. And they were real woolly out there. They weren't quite as drunk, I don't think, on Thursday night. Uh, you know, they got out there and they were. It was it was a crazy good time that they put on there in Philly. And I thought I thought for one, you guys are complete idiots at the Radio City Music Hall for letting this thing get screwed up and making it to be where the NFL even got to explore other cities. Because after what Chicago just did, this thing's never coming back to New York. It's going to stay in Chicago. Now, you know, who's ever going to outdo Chicago? Who's going to ever outdo that? You mean Philadelphia? It, no. Oh. And then Philadelphia comes along, and now I say, who's ever going to outdo Philadelphia? They're like, who's ever going to outdo that? And so somebody's going to have to come along. They're going to make big bid, big bids. Man, the NFL is just going to gr- keep greasing their pocket with all this cash from the cities that want to host the draft. There's nobody looks dumber in this whole deal than New York City and Radio City Music Hall that had that thing locked in on a cheap deal that they weren't even really thinking about moving just out of tradition's sake. And I I I love it because I think that these drafts are awesome. I think there's there's a ton of energy to them. It's just become a huge event, and I love it. The bigger and bigger and bigger it gets, the better and better and better it is for us because this is the business that we're in. Yeah, I think it was the best draft ever from a from a from many angles. Uh, the action by the teams. Uh, I certainly don't think this. I mean, this is going to be cities are going to be bidding on this like they bid on the Olympics. The I Bowl. certainly hope that we can get the Drew Pearson and the London Fletcher drops either on the podcast or a staple on the radio show on Sirius XM. Those were epic and legendary. Thank you, uh, Drew Pearson. My observations of this draft, uh, you heard it here. We talked about. I told you. I said if John Lynch can, even if it's at a discount, can he get something? To move back a couple of spots, Solomon Thomas, historically, those guys don't go at two, and that if he was going to do it, he was going to have to trick somebody like the Bears into making a small move. We yeah, said it could happen. Nobody else floated this idea. No. Hey, it happened. Coming home to roost. It has to watch Nation. That's why you listen to the podcast here. Now, bird's eye view, we can finally do away with the myth, the lip service that teams pay their fans about drafting best player available. Teams draft for need. This was one of this this draft. It was more evident than ever across the board. Uh, the Cowboys were an excellent example of it. The Eagles were an excellent example of it. The Chargers were an excellent example of it. Uh, you could go on and on and on. Um, what I will say is, there's a couple reasons for it. They have to draft for need. We've stressed this time and time again. When you stack a board with four or 500, sometimes 600-plus prospects cross-positionally, by default, you are going to have a lot of basically virtual ties on your board when it's your turn to go and put your selection in for your franchise. You have no choice but to split the hairs by need. That's reason number one. Reason number two is you have head coaches in, that that need to win now. They want to win. They want players that fit certain roles. And you also have, for the GMs, you have roster and salary constraints that you have to submit to. In order to, to do that, uh, part of that construct is drafting for need. So, and again, this isn't a knock. I think teams like the Cowboys and the Chargers did an excellent job of Getting good, really getting good players. really good players who are high on their board that fit a need. Um, I thought the Cowboys did an excellent job. I the Chargers. I mean, I know we're gonna hash out this Mike Williams thing here on on the podcast. Say what you will. He was one of the highest rated prospects in the draft. He's going to a team with a quarterback that can throw the damn ball, and they want that they, they are surrounded. They made a plan in San Diego to surround Philip Rivers 
for success. They got Mike Williams. They went out and went boom, boom, got four slammed. Then Dan Feeney, our favorite offensive lineman in the draft. Tom Telesco really, really growing up in San Diego. And then you look at the Cowboys. And it didn't take long to, to figure out exactly what the Cowboys were doing. The Cowboys had a specific and very targeted plan that they were executing. They think they have a Super Bowl roster. They understood the positional scarcity of the defensive end position versus the uh, cornerback position in the draft. They went and... We'll call it maybe a baby reach for Taco Charlton. I'm not sure it was that. I, I'm not reach. sure that it was. That you know, to me, best player available there. You take Reuben Foster all day. I still would argue that with Jalen Smith and Sean Lee, he could have filled a need for the Cowboys. But I understood what they were doing there. You know, they come back, they go, uh, they go boom, boom with the DBs. Then you notice Jordan Lewis, Taco Charlton, both those guys, top three rounds. Those are Jim Harbaugh players coming from an NFL style program. At Michigan, these are players the Cowboys think are going to come in, step in day one, and play. They expect them to. And then they come back around with Ryan Switzer just getting an absolute steal. We know the Cowboys are heavy on the well, analytics and, and side then, of scouting. And what we know about Ryan Switzer is he tested through the roof analytically this offseason. Yeah, no. Fills the need. Terrence Williams, yeah, they re-signed him, but they got it for cheap. I'm not sure Terrence Williams is. He, he might be the, the other outside receiver. I'm not sure he's a number two. Cole Beasley headed into a contract here, and the fact is Ryan Switzer is just one of the best uh, players available at that point. Chidobe Awuzie, too, can fill a couple. I mean, he can play nickel. He can play corner. He can play safety. And he was one of the 22 players invited to the first night of the draft. So that meant that, they, that the NFL got feedback from the NFL teams. They only invite guys they think are going to go in the first round. So, like, the NFL got feedback. The NFL event staff got feedback from the teams that that was a guy who, from enough teams, told them that was likely to go in the first round. Clearly, that tells me that NFL teams thought that that was probably a good value, getting that guy late in the second. Yeah, no. I think things fell together for Dallas pretty I, well. I, and, is, what is this, five five pretty solid drafts in a row for the Cowboys? Right. Things, like you things, said, man, they're just putting together a real good analytics department, and they're doing things the right way around there. A couple more things I think here. Maybe, I think maybe I know that uh, a lot of these analytics departments use some of our Senior Bowl catapult scouting da data, and if you use that, it certainly did a lot of pointing to Ryan Switzer. He blew the top off that thing. Speaking of Ryan Switzer, uh, Mike Dempsey has not – he pulled the thing where he didn't reject our trade. He, he's left that one open. But he sent us one. back a new one for 3.05 and 4.05 he wants for next year's two. No. I, I just I just straight rejected no. it without even asking uh, Byron what he thought. Any other draft thoughts yeah. before we get into the... I do. I have a few more here. Sure. Okay. So all the talk has been about... Most of the talk has been about the 49ers and the Browns, quote-unquote, killing it. Uh, in the draft, especially in the first round, the Titans have been talked, been discussed a fair amount uh, with that group, a couple of observations there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we said, I mean, that was a little bit of a mastermind maneuver for John Lynch in year one to move back, get what he could, still get his guy at three. And, and then, then to snake the Saints, who everybody said was going to take Ruben yeah, Foster. to come up and get a Ruben He's the thing. He's been a fan of the draft the whole time. He knew that the Saints were going to do this. It's like he knew. He said, I got to get in front of the Saints to get Ruben Foster. It's crazy. Yeah, I felt it's a guy who they said that they might have discussed it at pick three overall. Yeah, I, I, I mean I, that's a G, dude. That, that's a guy that navigated that first round like a G. He he, he really, really, really did. Um, I think where you saw, you know, Ruben Foster for us a top three to five player on talent alone in this draft. And boy, I watched a whole breakdown with Ruben Foster breaking down like film uh, right before the draft. That guy, he, he's pretty smart. He's, a he's pretty football smart. Mm -hmm. Was very. I was. He's a he's a pit bull with some good focus. To he's him. really smart and he's so instinctive. But he all his instincts come off of his understanding. His reaction time is really good. It's it was fascinating. So, anyways, but where John Lynch's ex inexperience showed showed up was, I mean, bar none. C.J. Beather, round three, worst pick in the draft. Well, that was if you read Peter King's latest. I'm sure that piece, was Shanny's pick. Shanny. I knew that. I didn't have to read anything to know. I know that's Shanny's pick saying, I need a guy who fits my system. This is the guy. Let's throw caution in the wind. Just make sure that we get him. That, that was obvious. There that, were apparently a couple of NFL executives that say Beathard reminds him of Kirk Cousins. That is nothing that we saw from our comparison of Kirk Cousins at the Senior Bowl versus no, C.J. Beathard's even, week even, at even, the Senior Bowl. Even Iowa 
Iowa alumni have been tweeting at us saying, saying what the they hell thought is he going was going to be here. undrafted. Yeah. Look, C.J. Beathard was terrible at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. He was terrible. And look, I, I went to the Senior Bowl thinking he had decent tape. I didn't go to the Senior Bowl thinking his tape was anything like a Kirk Cousins. Nobody had and, that you know, And tape. then you have the odd story. We'll get into it to more of the running back around four or five with Joe Williams where they made a move for him. I, I, I don't know. We'll see how that shakes out. It shows a little bit of just inexperience to me how that unfolded. We'll talk about that a little bit later. On the other side, the Cleveland Browns. Look, that thing looks good on paper. It looks really, really good on paper. I just still think this is all going to be about whether what what passing on Deshaun Watson means to that franchise down the road. They've passed on Carson Wentz. They've passed on Deshaun Watson. In the end, none of this is going to matter if they don't get a quarterback. And the Njoku pick I like, he's a beast. I can see why they want him. The kid is a real, real beast. Well, and, and he tested completely off the charts. He probably made their whatever little robot genius they have there in their English department. Oh, his, his, his pants exploded. So on paper, it's it all looks good. <laughs> but what do you do with a young, beastly tight end like that when you have no quarterback to develop him? I'm I'm just concerned. I you know I I'm not let's I say the jury is still out on Cleveland a little bit and the teams I don't want to forget about Tampa blew it out. Tampa blew it out with OJ Howard uh, in the first round. That's just a monster monster fit in Tampa with Jameis moving forward. I certainly like what they did with Chris Godwin and Jeremy McNichols in the middle rounds. I thought those filled really really nice needs. Uh, you know. Tennessee did themselves a favor there, and did anybody do better than the Redskins in the first round getting Jonathan Allen at pick 17? I mean, that is... And then Samaj P. Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan in round four. God, uh, uh, th those were just two really, really tremendous picks. And then last but not least, just maybe we can get a whole segment on this once we digest the draft a little more, but uh, one winner and one loser... Uh, in Dynasty and in Redraft that we've talked about in length uh, this offseason, I believe, from the draft. I think the big winner was Paul Perkins in New York. Uh, the Giants didn't even sniff around any type of running back talent. That, oh, the Wayne Gallman Wayne, Wayne in round Gallman. four. He sucks. About. Uh, that, he no, sucks. That, was that round four or round five? It's it, round four. Round, round, round four. So they got Wayne Gallman. I do not view that as a threat to Paul Perkins whatsoever. This is That is... A real vote of confidence for Paul Perkins. And many of you listening to this podcast certainly own Paul Perkins or have owned him uh, and know a lot about him because this is a guy we've talked about for, for the well, last year. We put out year. maniacal efforts to go do you know, pro days. Like, dude, we did a bunch of work on Paul Perkins. Everybody owned him in redraft last year. Certainly if you used the Dynasty Cheat Sheet last year. I mean, he was going at 2.06, 2.07 last year in Dynasty. We were just snapping him up at the beginning of the second round in all of our leagues. I'm a Paul Perkins owner right now. I am very happy that Ben McAdoo has come out and said that's our starter. I did not figure that that was going to happen. I figured that we were going to come into camp and he was going to say all bets are off as to who is the starter. Like, we don't have a starter right now. I don't know what we're going to do with our run game. He's apparently going the opposite method of motivation with Paul Perkins, maybe thinking that Paul Perkins could be motivated more by positive, kind of, you know, pumping the guy up kind of motivation as opposed to, you know, you know, kind of trying to beat him down kind of motivation because i mean why would you and i mean i don't know if i would personally want to go out in the media and, and anoint paul per i mean the media is basically known and they've said well i mean that's the case now paul perkins is going to be the you know going to be the starter but for mcadoo to come out and say yeah he's our starter he can be an every down back and stuff for me that just seems you know i love it as a paul perkins dynasty owner i think it's a little bit weird to hear come from a coach especially one like mcadoo i think we're still gonna have to watch for the giants adding somebody like Legarrette blunt jamal well, that's Charles. the last minute suck out on the river yeah that, that's come, and you've got to be very aware of that as a paul perkins owner you know but again those guys you know you if, also you, made, if you bring you know in Legarrette blunt you need to paul worry perkins a still about, has a solid role jamal charles who knows what his viability is and then i mean you got it like the 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 other suck out the one outer you got to keep an eye out for is a wayne gallman swindle he comes in and he's awesome like we don't know he could oh he could. man he's bad well he's not as good as paul perkins I he could come in he perkins. can catch the football so he might he could come in and play and this is not going to be the shane vereen show I mean, right now, it's not much behind Paul Perkins. So, Gallman has a, a pretty direct line. 
to some activity, but the guy just cannot. Break, I don't. Hey, break. here's the. You, you know, I'm no big fan of Wayne Gorman. I get I'm just it. saying it's the one out. Like the, there are a couple, there are a couple yeah. little bullets to dodge le- left. You know, we can't just chalk everything up for for you know the Paul the big Paul Perkins and 2017 revival of of the guys. Sure, but things are they're shaking. Certainly, up. you're shaking feeling up. good feeling if you're good. Paul yeah. Perkins' oh, yeah. owner. It's a time to feel good. Yeah. And uh, of the guys that we've talked about a lot this offseason, one that caught my eye is a, I think a, a fairly big loser in this whole uh, situation was our sleeper tight end of the offseason, Tyler Higby of the Rams. Now you have Gerald Everett, a second round pick, coming in to challenge him. We look, we know Sean McVeigh. We've told you. We asked at the Combine. We asked him to tell us about the offense at the Combine. We told you about Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis coming from Washington. All the writing's been on the wall that Sean McVay loves a two-tight-end offense. As a matter of fact, even Jay Gruden, the offense he's left in Washington, they went out and drafted, was it Jeremy Sprinkle? They got themselves into a second tight end. So uh, nothing really new here, but certainly Everett – is he's not just the blocker. He's a guy that concern, oh, no. he certainly concerns me that he's going to siphon off a lot of the action that Higby could have had. A little bit different though. I think yeah, he's a different. Little, I think they went. I think they tried to to draft different players, but there's only so much to go around. I know Alex is already going to talk to uh, later in the pod uh, just about how kind of pitiful he thinks the quarterback and passing offense is in that situation. How to be, I think. To be, I mean, to begin with, it is. Fair. I have some high hope. Well, we have a whole new offensive coaching staff. It's true. I mean, I guess. We have a whole new offensive coaching yeah, staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's just like I, I judging, mean, you're projecting forward based on Goff pure on last year. I think is not really fair. I don't think, but I don't. I I, I don't think it's really fair to. I, don't, I also don't think that it's that it's fair to the projections or to Roster Watch Nation or to us or any of us to just assume that it's going to just go from being basically the worst we've ever seen to a middle-of-the-pack kind of operation. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I certainly wouldn't assume that uh, either. So I guess, if Alex, if that's those are pretty much my draft observations. If you want to dive into some of your stuff, maybe highlights or thoughts from your rookie primers, or if you want to just get right into this skeleton of the cheat sheet that I've sent over to you for the uh, version 1.0 of the Dynasty Rookie Draft Cheat Sheet that'll go live for our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com here in the next 24 hours for all of their Dynasty Rookie Drafts that are starting in earnest uh, here uh, this week. Yeah, Uh, so what we'll do is, uh, again, here with Byron Lambert and Alex Dunlap on the Roster Watch podcast, we know we're probably going to be getting some new listeners this week, maybe a bunch of new users to all you guys Welcome. All of your tools can be found in the download section. That's where all of the uh, uh, proprietary pro tools are. All of the content that we talk about, the written content, most of it can be found on the ticker. I'm working through right now my um, landing spot primers. I'm going to be doing one for each round. Uh, It takes a ton of work to make them, so uh, it's something where I want to look into all the competition, all of the salary cap data, all of the different contract data, uh, different market share stuff, and you know, really kind of dig into what these guys' value is going to be in Dynasty and also what it's going to be in Redraft to just kind of give us a primer, something to work on uh, as we're reformulating things like the MFL 10 cheat sheet, which is currently down. Well, we took it down whenever the NFL NFL draft started uh, because, you know, through the NFL draft, there's absolutely no way that we could have been updating that thing through the course of the entire draft and, uh, and have it still be you know, on the rails is something that was going to be getting you optimal value as opposed to where ADP was there in MFL 10s. So as soon as I get done with these uh, position primers for the landing spots for probably the first five rounds or so, wherever the real uh, dynasty and uh, redraft and most specifically MFL 10 relevant players happen to fall, the new MFL 10 cheat sheet, uh, that will be the same format to use as the dynasty cheat sheet. And of course, the maniacal, the famous redraft cheat sheet that everybody and their dog uses for whenever fantasy season starts in earnest for redraft leagues. Uh, that will be available probably here within the next, I would say, the next three to four days. So just keep your eyes out for the the uh, Dynasty cheat sheet and the updated version 2.0 of the MFL 10 cheat sheet. You can get it all with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Again, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Give us five stars. Give us a good review. That's the one way that you can tell us that you want us to keep doing this podcast. It, we love doing it, but it takes a lot of work to do it. It's a big time commitment. So we have to know that you like it. So if you like it 
and you want us to keep doing it, especially when time becomes very, very scarce in the NFL season as we're making these in-season tools. Let us know by giving us five stars. Give us a good review. Byron gets super sick late at night, scrolling down on his iPhone and reading all of the different reviews from Roster Watch Nation. But in seriousness, seriously, if you like the podcast, if you want to keep it alive, you need to give us more reviews and better ratings because our stakeholders in this company are asking us why you guys, why the you know other fantasy podcasts have hundreds of ratings and hundreds of reviews, and you guys have like thirty. So we know you like it. Please just go give us a review. I'm being very serious about that. Again, Alex Dunlap, Byron Lambert. Find us on Twitter at RosterWatch. Okay, so let's look at the um, Alex's copy of the Dynasty Rookie Draft Cheat Sheet. Okay, so I I've made a couple of I've made a couple of notes here in in blue. For one. I think that we need to be talking about Joe Williams versus Jeremy McNichols. Yeah, I think that's a that that's certainly a fair discussion. Joe Williams, I tried to scrape this thing to make sure from our running back rankings that every single guy from the rankings kind of matched up to uh, the actual draft selections, but yeah, I, I have I have no problem with that. I think that Joe Williams tell tell the story to Roster Watch Nation of the thing well, that you texted well, me today. Yeah, I mean, well, the, I just texted you screenshots for, that I'd read from the Monday Morning Quarterback column uh, on SI that Peter King had written. But he was granted access by John Lynch to his first NFL draft, and it's actually a cool read. I would recommend reading it if you like this podcast. You like the article, probably a lot of. Uh, I bet you a lot of you guys have already read it. Uh, but anyway, since most of you have read it, long story short, he, um, they had taken Joe Williams off the board because, you know, what they're trying to do in San Francisco, they said, is build a team of guys of tough character, uh, build a team of guys of good character. Um, I guess it was how John Lynch feels like his championships teams or his championship team was built in Tampa Bay. And he'd taken Joe Williams off the board because Joe Williams was a guy who he thought was a quitter. Joe Williams had retired from football at some point uh, last season saying that he was mentally and physically exhausted. Um, he came back like three games later and went absolutely ape shit. I don't think he went for less than 135 yards or something like that for any game that he played the rest of the season. They get around to the fourth round and they, they get to the San Francisco's pick and they said that Shanahan just kind of said, you know, quietly, he just said, Joe, Joe Williams running back Utah. You know, and Peter King said he like looked over at the draft board and he looked at the running back section and there wasn't even a Joe Williams on the draft board, you know, and um, what Shanahan said is like, if we don't get Joe Williams, I'm going to be absolutely sick. It's all going to be all I'm going to be able to think about for the entire rest of this draft. And so John Lynch got on the phone with Joe Williams. You can read the article. Basically, Joe Williams told a sob story having to do with the tragedy involving his little sister, weight on his mind heavily, all the rest, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, Joe Williams is the guy that Shanny wants in that system. They clearly hate Carlos Hyde. So I think probably somewhere around the area. Yeah, well, circumstantially, I think he falls into the group that's basically going to be Jeremy McNichols and Marlon Mack. I mean, these are I'm, to me that he fits right in there, so I have no problem with that. I will, ADP we'll, is going to dictate based on the based on the two dynasty traps we've done two so far. Alvin Alvin Kamara compared to where you have him right now, I think is going to have to come way up. Yeah, but I'm I'm not I'm I'm not sure we like him. So here's my here's where I'm at with this is that right now there are no ADPs, and where I've been where where I can imagine significant difference in ADPs, I have tried to to factor that in. I see we're going with Kamara. The fact is I just don't like him more than any of the guys above him, and I want Roster Watch Nation to get the best guys in the best position to succeed and succeed this year. What's important about this draft cheat sheet is not only thinking long-term, but we're thinking about guys that are going to get us value this year so we have more value on our roster that we can wheel and deal with. Yeah, I don't think Kamara's going to get that. He's going to get 100 touches this year. He's going to get 100 touches this year between behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. It's not behind. They've said that they've drafted him as a, in a complimentary role that's going to be re re reminiscent of Darren Sproles and Reggie Bush, who in PPR were both as young players in that system. They never had two running backs relevant. in front of them like this, ever. Ever. It was Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles with it Tim Hightower. Who cares? Does it, does it, 
What do you mean they've never had two? They've, they've had, never had. There's. They, it was. They were when never. Have stacked. Ever, when have there ever been any running backs in the history of the league that have been like a Mark Ingram and an Adrian Peterson type two-headed monster? We've never seen it. What we do know is the fact that this is a guy who they brought in to be a special weapon to be used on to be used on passing downs. I think he's going to be. I mean, I, I just I just look at it. I don't think I like him more than Kareem Hunt. But if we're talking about this year, I'm the biggest Deontay Foreman homer there is, and I don't think Deontay Foreman is going to get anywhere near the touches Boy. that Alvin Kamara is going to get this year. Um, you don't? No. No. Not it's unless only, Lamar Miller gets hurt. Oh, no. And, I don't see It's only Lamar Miller and Foreman versus Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson, and it, Kamara in a passing offense. You're thinking about this the wrong way. You're thinking you're you're thinking about a position rather than roles within an offensive scheme. Yeah, I get. I, Kamara's a guy me. who they're saying that they're going to use on in passing downs. A guy that, who they say, who they say they can even use out of the slot as a wide receiver. They see him as a dynamic playmaker. No way he gets more than 125 yeah, touches this year. There's just no way. Look historically, there is not any way. It's not possible. And I don't. I get the role part of it, but the fact is, is that Alvin Kamara, you got you got Foreman. He's gonna. He, Foreman could get goal lines. And you've only got Lamar Miller. That's it. And I also the other reason. And granted, we are looking at this year. We are looking at this year. And there's a whole group of guys here from Joe Mixon all the way down to Jeremy McNichols. There's six guys here who all their competition, veteran competition on the roster this year. We'll get in this in, in depth. All those guys can be cut after this year. So each one of these rookies has a chance to be the starter next year. Foreman has a, I think Foreman has a 40-50% chance of being the full-blown starter in Houston next year. Darren Sproles' first season in New Orleans. 87 rush attempts, 86 receptions, averaged 17 points a game in PPR. So he's, he got 160 touches with no Mark Ingram, no Adrian Peterson. 17 points, 17 points, uh, 17 points a game in PPR. Yeah, and he wasn't his, a rookie. His, his, he wasn't a rookie. His second year in New Orleans wasn't uh, a rookie. 16.5 points per game in PPR. His third year in New Orleans. By now he's, but you're right, he's not a rookie. By now he's getting fucking old. Yeah, well, and, he's and, a, and he's a very good veteran. He's still 11, playing well. 11.8 points per game in PPR. That's I mean, not much. That's not much. Eleven point eight in PPR isn't anything to get that excited. You about. You think that Deontay Foreman is going to average eleven point eight points a game in PPR? This is also. I, I think Deontay Foreman has a forty to fifty percent chance of being a full blown starter in Houston next year. I think he might get goal lines this year. They Bill Bill O'Brien told us at the combine they ran Lamar Miller way too much last year, and they need to spell him. They drafted him with a purpose. He has the same running style as Lamar Miller. I think Deontay Foreman could get 200-plus touches this year. Reggie Bush, FF Today. Let me see. Let me, let me pull up the FF Today PPR scoring because I can't find anywhere else that goes back this far. I'm going to have to go back to and, and, and listen, Roster Watch Nation needs to know. 16.7 points per game in PPR first season, 17.4 second season. 17.2 third season, 12.0 in his last season when he was tailing and, off. So I'm, And I mean, Roster Watch Nation needs to know I was the highest on Alvin Kamara of any of any member of Roster Watch. I did the write-up on him. As a prospect. I said I loved him as Ryan I'm not Mac talking about the prospect. Yeah. As you can see, I'm talking about and, the situation. And, and I still like Alvin Kamara. I don't want people to get this wrong. This is just like the draft. There's going to be 10 running backs, 7 to 10 running backs here we like. And be, by default, you're going to have to rank them in an order that on paper – you it may may look like you don't like him. Do not get me wrong. I like Alvin Kamara. I just see I see a a further distance to playing time this year. And the other thing is, he, in college, he's never been a full time back ever. He's never carried a load ever, ever, I, ever, ever. I understand that he's never carried a load. I don't want him to carry a load. I think Foreman can. And in I dynasty, I want a guy that can maybe be a starter. So, or, but you just said we, but you just said we're focusing on dynasty and we're focusing on this year. If yeah. We're focusing on well, this, this is year. This the alone, dynasty rookie draft cheat sheet. But a way I'd like to split the hairs is with guys that I think will get me more value this year. I don't think there's a hair to split with Kamara and Foreman. I think Foreman has the chance in dynasty to be a full blown starter in Houston in an awesome offense next year. I don't think Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not I, sure Kamara has that you chance. You are never going. You are never going to get me to say a bad thing about Deontay Foreman. What I'm saying is, if this thing stays constructed like this, I just think you're going to see real quick that ADPs are going to tell you that we yeah, need that to get we got to get it. Yeah, if if is, we want to subscribe it, to that, well, if but we, we may. The question is, are you going to be able to get Kamara and Foreman? 
Maybe. Yes. If so, then we'll have to look at it. Right now, we don't have ADPs. Right now, I want Roster Watch Nation to get the player I think is going to be best for their dynasty team. I like Deontay Foreman in Houston more for dynasty than I like Alvin Kamara. I think it's close. It's close. The guys are four. They're three, two guys apart on the sheet. Yeah, I just, I think, I think even if you look at ADPs right now, though, like. But there can't be ADPs right now. I mean, it's a people who have a dynasty. Okay, very small sample. You've seen the MFL 10 ADPs. Those things went from a small sample. They've been all over the place. Well, I mean, should I? Do you, would, you, would you like to know the MFL 10 ADP difference between Deontay Foreman and Alvin Kamara? I mean, we can look it up. I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing there is going to be an ADP factor that's going to push Kamara up. What I'm saying is there's not a large sample of that right now. Well, and in Dynasty, I just like Foreman better. Deontay Foreman was our number two running I back prospect. He landed it. in a great situation. I'm not sure it's a great. I'm not sure it's great behind Lamar Miller to start. Whenever, whenever Bill O'Brien has said we're just going to use him to spell Lamar Miller, he, he's been saying they need to spell Lamar Miller. That's going to be 200 touches. That's going to be 200 touches. And how many of them do you know are going to be receptions in a PPR? I just, I think, that, I, I don't think, think he has quite, a chance for a goal lines too. And I, I, what I'm saying is I think it's close. It's close for this year. It's close for this year. Okay. And I like him more in right. I like so him more in your in this In this area that I'm talking about, I think that it's fine. I'll let you do what you want to with Deontay. What's going to happen is that Roster Watch Nation, every single person is going to own Deontay Foreman. Maybe we end up really You're loving him. You're going to feel him. sick about that. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's like, but it's like one, two, three, four. I mean, it's like. It's so going we'll, we'll, it's, it's, it's to be a huge reach for him to take him where he is on, on this sheet. Well, right we'll now. reconcile that versus yes. ADP, but I, don't, I certainly don't think that if you told us before the draft— I think that draft, Jamal Williams needs to be out of the conversation with Kareem Hunt, Deontay Foreman, and Alvin Kamara. I think well, he needs to be behind It's interesting guys. that you say that because you were one of the uh, folks that was really excited about the Jamal Williams pick to Green Bay. And when you look at the Green Bay depth chart, they got nobody. Yes, but they— I, I They think got that, nobody. He's yeah. going to play this year. He's Part of the reason I like Jamal Williams—hold on— is not so much. See, this is a good conversation. Part of the reason I like Jamal Williams so much is I think he's going to have a lot of value at the end of this season or or by middle of this season. I think the Kareem Hunt's going to too. I think I, the Kareem Hunt's going to be the starter in Kansas City I, by I, week eight. Kareem Hunt, I think, is the best running back on the roster. Spencer Ware, they can get rid of him after this year. I love Kareem Hunt as well. You know, I'm I'm assuming his ADP, him and G, uh, Jamal Williams, are probably a little bit lower. It, I just than think, some of these other guys. But yeah, I you. I have Hunt right there with I th them. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So what my my concern was over this group of this little tier of players. My concern is I feel like the order of these guys might need to be shaken up. I feel like the tier is correct. I think the order of the tier might need to be shaken up just because of how we know ADP is going to go. We, I mean, I, I've done well. We we've already gone through one industry draft and we've seen how it's how how it's going. I've I've been a, I'm in another dynasty league where we're doing it's doing it. I mean, Alvin Kamara is going at like 1.07. It's too early. It's too early. It's too early. It's too early. So but, we don't have to own him. It's too early. Right. But, but what I'm saying is I don't want to artificially push up other players that, that people can maybe get a little, you know. Yeah, at the I get turn, we want to play get, the ADP yes. game. The point is this is the prototype and there really aren't ADPs. Okay. That's it. I mean, that's that's there's no ADP. To, so right now the our form, number one goal is to let's make sure we get the best players for our dynasty teams. We know Deontay Foreman is sick, and I think he's landed long term. We're going to make nice we're going to make sure that Roster Watch Nation gets Deontay Foreman. With that being said, we're going to need to shuffle up some of these players. But, in but the Kareem it, Hunt, it Deontay brings Foreman, up the whole Williams territory. It's the whole tier that needs to be discussed. Yes. Look, Lamar Miller. They can get out of his contract next year. Spencer Ware, the Chiefs can get out of his contract next year. Sharkandrick West, and, and, easy to get out of that and, contract. And look, I think Kareem Hunt walks into Kansas City, the best running back on the team. I, I love him. I think he's going to get a lot of action. I'm not sure he's going to get, you know, maybe he's going to get more action than Foreman. Spencer Ware's going to take goal lines. You know, that that's that's hard to predict. Jamal Williams, we like Jamal Williams. You get a little goosey on running back situations in Green Bay long term. There hadn't been a good one there, really long term for Dynasty. I think Jamal Williams, barring them going out and signing Jamal Charles or something, I think Jamal Williams has a chance to gain a lot of value this year. And then you can trade him right. if you want to. He's a good player. A good player. Um, I, I just I, I see I see Ty Montgomery continuing to bite into that thing. I think they actually but, really but like Montgomery's him as a not going to carry the load. He can't carry the whole well, load. I mean. They've already said that they've changed him to a running back. He's going to not wear 88 anymore. I get He's going to get a new jersey but when, number. when if they had one guy carry the whole load? They don't. And they use five running backs a season. Every year. 
Jamal Williams is like second on the depth chart. He's going to play early. And if and, and Montgomery, he was how many times is Ty Montgomery hurt last year? Three with an ankle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think Jamal. And and here's the thing: Jamal Williams is a good player. We've all we've all thought that he's a good player. I get it. Kamara looks definitely looks a little bit low here. I think he has the longest distance. I think he has a longer distance to playing time than Hunt and Williams. I think he's in a similar I think situation what you're saying to is Foreman, the and I like to form- volume, but not necessarily playing time. Yeah, that's why I'm getting so thrown I, off. I, I mean, I they're think, gonna they're gonna have an automatic role for him right off the bat. I, I just how many times can you have him on the field when you've got to get you got to get Peterson on the you got to get Peterson 250 uh, touches. You got to get Ingram 250 touches. That's 500 out of your running backs. It doesn't go much over that. I just think it's going to take an injury there. So again, Here, I needless to say, no one in roster watch nation is going to own Alvin Kamara and then, anyway. And then, well, we can. This is something <laughs> I mean, we were up. We, it, well, no, if 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 that's where he is, or if we're even talking in version one point you might yeah. not own Alvin Kamara. In versions two or three, you very well All might. Right, so I think just we, like the MFL ten, there's guys that this, we have. Diver- I think we've beaten this this tier into this well, tier. But McNichols is the last one, and you got to remember, I don't consider him in the same tier as the four that we've been talking about. Well, the reason that I do is because they have nobody behind Charles Sims and Doug Martin both out can be out after this year i know they're talking doug martin up right now they could actually get out of doug they could get out of doug martin's contract right now if they wanted to so so do you think they're lying about doug martin i think that's normal look i like jason light but i think this is normal uh normal speak by france everything that they're supposed to say so look they're they have no commitment to charles sims or doug martin after this year and like i said they really could cut uh doug martin this year if they wanted to so they bring in McNichols. They made a targeted effort to get him. What they get him in round four or five? Five. And dude, I think Jer- five. Jeremy McNichols is a good player. And Jason Light has come out and said it. He's a three-down player. He can catch the ball. He can block. He can run. He is a good, good running back prospect. I think he's landed on a team where the cupboard's about to potentially be bare at running back, and it's on a really good offense. It's a it's a boomer bust. It's a little boomer bust feeling. Maybe McNichols isn't doesn't turn out to translate to the NFL, and it doesn't work. I think there's a lot of upside with McNichols here, kind of similar to Marlon Mack. Now, if we want to move those guys a little closer to each other, uh, we can we can definitely do that. There's just no receivers. I just absolutely have to have at that point, and so I'm kind of thinking a flyer on McNichols. Who could? What if McNichols is the starter in Tampa next year? What if Jeremy McNichols is a starting running back in Tampa next year? I mean, what if your what if your aunt had a dick? I, I don't think it's that kind of question well, because I mean, that's that's not Charles possible. Sims? That's not possible. Yeah, Charles Sims in the last year of his contract. Oh, you, oh, you're saying the year after? You're, you're no, saying 2018? No, yeah, after this year. Cool. What if Jeremy McNichols is a starter next year? And this is a dynasty cheat sheet. The start a good starting running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like it. I I, I always see Jeremy McNichols as a guy that's going to be part of a platoon at least. I think the highest he could ever be possibly is a one A. That's not bad. I mean, no, there's I'm not all, but but, but most running backs are platoons in the NFL at this point. And McNichols carried the load at Boise State. He's a good player. He's no buck ninety nine. He's two fifteen. He made we weighed more than Jamal Williams. Okay, well, so I think I, McNichols I mean, I, I, and Marlon Mack are kind of to me those guys are in a little bit of a conversation, and I have separated and, them. I by mean, this basically, point where it makes. I mean, I think where it is, it makes sense because. What I've seen in two dynasty drafts so far, the players that have been available and have gone around the same, I mean, that's basically where his slotting is right now is basically with ADP because we're looking at a situation where Ryan Switzer is available to us, Jeremy McNichols went in the pick before us. So that's pretty dialed in. The guy that needs to come way up is Marlon Mack. He needs to be up in the, up, he needs to be up in the tier with the Jeremy McNichols and the Joe Williams. I'm totally fine with that. And then I think that the other thing is uh, just a couple of... Uh, totally one, one, one really big thing... And I think I know why you did it. I think no one's going to own Dalvin Cook anyway, right? And so that's why Samaj P. Ryan's not ahead of Dalvin Cook. Uh, that I, I could go either way on that. I, I was trying to project ADP a little bit there. I think Cook's. I ADP, think ADP is going to be. It I will think, equalize over time. I think initial ADP Cook is going to be going fair amount higher. Than I haven't P. seen. I haven't seen P. Ryan go in the first round yet. That's what I mean. So, so that's, that's if part, we can have him here. But if look, I like him, Dalvin. I but, but look, I like Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. I hate Dalvin. That's Cook. fine. We can say we hate him. He's a, he's in a great. He's in a good spot for fantasy production. Look, we know Latavius sucks. We know that they like him. I just think he's such a fucking a dirtbag. Dirt fine. Dalvin Cook is in. A, he's 
there's a lot of upside in the situation he's fallen into. Factor that in. Factor in the ADP. I think that we need to be considering a choice between uh, maybe between a Dalvin Cook and an OJ Howard. I would certainly like to take OJ Howard in a situation where I was presented with those two. I have him on. Did, I, did the copy I share with you not have him on the same line? No. Oh, OJ Howard is supposed to be on the same line with Dalvin Cook and Corey Davis. Okay, perfect. And then, I mean, with Samaji, I think we can probably leave him. And then my, I mean, the one that I, okay. So here's the other. Let me just go through a couple, just a couple more running back things that I have. Corey Clement in Philly, I love it. They paid him the thirty thousand bucks. I love that you put Aaron Jones in Green Bay. That's the one thing. That's the one thing I couldn't think about that I was a little bit worried about when we talk about a Jamal Williams. Is I think Aaron Jones is somebody that could end up really yeah. swindling things there. Yeah, I I agree. He's got to have an eye. On I him. think that Wayne Gallman has to be ahead of any kind of Davion Smith or or um, Matthew Daisy. That's fine. I just hate Wayne Gallman as a prospect. Yeah, I think Davion Smith and just Matt Dyes are better prospects, but he's got a better opportunity, so I can live with that. As far as the wide receivers, I basically love it. I would definitely uh, the my 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 first main issue is with having Mike Williams over Zay Jones. And I just think that with Zay, you look at what they have on the roster in Buffalo, Zay Jones walks into there as the number two wide receiver opposite Sammy Watkins. If, God forbid, anything did happen to Sammy Watkins, you know, they would, I mean, he would be like, he would literally be peppered. The new uh, Buffalo wide receivers coach, they came in with, uh, they came in with Sean McDermott is Zay Jones's wide receiver coach from East Carolina, Phil, Phil, Phil McGeehan. Um, he was a big part of getting Zay Jones up there. The, t- the team has complete buy-in, clearly, on Zay Jones as a player who they took in the second round. When you look at just the unbelievable shit that the Bills have at the, at the wide receiver position outside of Watkins is Andre Holmes, Corey Brown, Jeremy Butler, and Walt Powell. I mean, that is garbage. They, like Zay Jones is going to feast. They, he's 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 gonna he's gonna get a minimum because you know that Sammy Watkins isn't isn't a target hog. Zay Jones is gonna be the immediate number two. He's gonna get a minimum of six targets a game as a rookie. Well, let me just paint the picture for Roster Watch Nation so they can understand that this is a very minor disparity. These guys are back to back. They're back to back on the cheat sheets. So I was just splitting like, a very fine hair. And I think that Mike Williams might be low enough to where nobody's gonna get him. And maybe and, guys. I mean, if, if you guys beat me up on it that much, I would change it. My kind of where my head was with that is. I mean, Mike Williams just is a much higher-rated prospect. As we like Zay Jones, and the thing we is, like the Zay Chargers Jones. really, really wanted him. But the thing is, they, what is- they, they wanted him badly. They identified a need. They wanted him badly. It makes me think they have concerns. May, I don't know how long they are for Keenan Allen. We ought to look up his contract while we're here. Um, that, look, they told us at the combine. Telesco basically said at the combine, Tyrell Williams. Sorry, guys, he's not our wide receiver too. He said he admitted it. They need a wide receiver too. Uh, but what Travis Benjamin? He didn't cut the cake. Brings, I don't think that. I don't think that. I think they're worried about bringing, Keenan Allen. So this is where my head was at. Basically, is that Mike Williams was a much higher rated prospect than Zay Jones. Philip Rivers and that passing offense is superior to Tyrod Taylor, and I don't even know how long Tyrod Taylor is going to even be running. I don't know how long Philip Rivers yeah, is going to yeah, be Yeah, maybe running. not. But I'd rather have Philip Rivers for two or three years than Tyrod Taylor and for then, two or three and years. And then what's next? And then I was on this one, I was trying to imagine ADP, and I was imagining there's probably Mike a pretty difference, big difference ADP between Mike Williams and Zay Jones, okay. kind of like the Dalvin Cooks and Maj P. Ryan. Whenever you look at Keenan Allen's contract, it looks like in what? 20, I guess in 2016, he has a new, got the new four-year deal, 45 million. So it looks like the, this was the, the, I mean, 2017. No, you can't get out in 2017. Can you get out in 2018? No, 9.6 million cap hit, almost six million dead. You're not going to get out of that for Keenan Allen. It looks like 2019 is his first year. You might be able to get out 10.15 mil. Only 3.8 dead. Well, here's the interesting thing. As we've seen over the years, Phillip Rivers is capable of supporting fantasy value, startable fantasy value for more than one wide receiver. And look, in the past, it's been nothing but Malcolm Floyds and Tyrell Williams. We've never seen it with a second sick wide receiver like this and Mike Williams. So it'll be interesting. It's an interesting one to watch. There's an argument for Zay Jones there. I think right now it's a close enough call. 
you stay with group the intelligence and the group think and the ADPs a little bit here. I think that the one thing that worries me is that Mike Williams' best weapon. Here's the thing. He's not a super fast guy, and even if he did test faster than I thought, he doesn't really show it functionally. He beasts on people. He gets open. He separates with physicality. He's a he lot goes like Keenan Allen. Footballs. He's a lot like goes, Keenan Allen. Yeah, well, and so for one thing, I think that Tyrell Williams brings a dynamic to that wide receiver group that neither of those guys do as the 200-meter sprinter and, and, and hurdler. Secondly, I feel like we know that uh, we know that – Antonio Gates has been a red zone weapon. He's not going to be around for very long, but he's the red zone guy who you throw it up to. We saw that Hunter Henry came in and became a red zone maven, doing the unthinkable as a rookie and going for eight touchdowns as a, as a rookie tight end. That's the kind of production you generally don't see out of rookie tight ends. So, I mean, they, they have red zone weapons who do the same kind of thing, and Mike Williams does. I just worry a little bit about it. If I'm at that pick where I'm – I don't know. I think Take I might Kareem pers- Hunt. He's yeah. on the cheat sheet right there. And to your on. point, I think it's designed where we're not going to have a lot of exposure to Mike Williams. It's not the best situation that he could have landed in, obviously. Um, no. But it's it's no, something it's to monitor. I'll tell you, and, more, of- and your point about Tyrell Williams, that gets me less excited about Tyrell Williams. And to me, it's it, it's more of a, oh, well, okay, they got Tyrell Williams, they got Travis Benjamin, so, so they have the tools to keep – uh, the coverage off the top of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Understood. Okay, and then the other one is I cannot stand Cooper Cup being ahead of like Ryan Switzer and kind of the Juju Smith-Schusters and stuff like this. I just, I don't, I mean, you know I love Cooper Cup, but for Dynasty, he's 24 years old. He, I mean, like we just talked about earlier, I just I, I can't bank on a Jared Goff offense just turning it around this quickly to where he's going to get a rookie and Cooper Cup involved, despite the fact that during every step of the process, Cooper Cup has been an absolute G. He dominated the Senior Bowl. He was among the top of our on-field combine testing scores. We know, I mean, he's he's done interviews with Roster Watch not once, not twice, I think three times uh, by now. He's always lived up to his obligations. He's a consummate professional. He's a he's a family man he's a christian kid with good values um i just i don't know man i i I think that this situation sucks though i think going to la i I worry i I worry about the fact that they have i know that i i I know that i know pharaoh brown sucks i know that mike thomas sucks i know that you don't think that robert woods is any good i like robert woods still probably a little bit more than you do they also drafted josh reynolds they have tyler higby that's gonna have to get more involved you know, they, they take the extra tight end this year. I just think that the situation doesn't really lead to any kind of, you know, big production out of Cooper Cup this year. I think if Cooper Cup does come along, it's going to be a, a, a going to be a few-year deal. And you know what? I mean, out in L.A., they're already talking about the – I mean, who, who even knows what the future is going to be with, with – there's just no absolutely no certainty about what that offense is going to be. There are too many question marks. If it were up to me, I would have my hands off of anything having to do with this entire passing game. So I just, I don't really like him up higher than a guy like Ryan Switzer, who I would like to have on my team. Well, it's so or funny. I'm arguing right now about Ryan Switzer with the trash man. He, he says that he just doesn't think that, that Ryan Switzer can, he, he's very capable on the football field. He just got me on massive tilt. I told him he needs to go watch the, I, he, he, I guarantee he's never <laughs> even watched his UNC tape. No, he certainly trash. hasn't. Okay, so. To Alex's point, I think the the main takeaway here is that there's only four wide receivers in dynasty rookie drafts that we're comfortable with. Things get shaky after that. Yeah. So after that, it's a real crapshoot, a real muddled picture of a bunch of guys with talent that landed in weird situations or maybe it's very hard to reconcile. A couple um, other guys. So look, you've got – you know I love Ryan Switzer. It, that's an argument I can buy into a little bit. I got the trash man on the other hand telling me I don't care what the trash he doesn't man like says. Ryan Switzer. Not worth so crap. I got y'all pulling me in different directions. And then, you, since when is the trash the directions any trash man pulled you in have been been a good one for you? Uh, and, unless you're going to meet up with few, chicks on few occasions. <laughs> um, and then I kind of defaulted to our rankings. Cooper Cup was our number five ranked wide receiver. Now, when I look at the guys clustered around him. Uh, Carlos Henderson. I think it's a bad. It's I bad. Mean, I like Carlos Henderson. It's a bad situation, right? Yes. Kenny Galladay, a guy who I actually char- charted very well at the combine and his performance scores, and on the aggregate scored p- fairly well for both Alex and I inside Lucas Oil Field on the on-field wide receiver performance scores. The Lions went out of their way and used a round three pick 
on Kenny Galladay. This is something to really, really watch. Hey, He's a whenever big the target that they don't have, like this, big target that they don't have. Well, right now it's a Marvin Jones, a Golden Tate shrimpiness out there. There's a that's a real sleeper. But you're going to be able to get Kenny Galladay late. Nobody even knows who the hell that is. So this is kind of Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster, Switzer, who I can't get the trash man on board with, who I've pushed up, I feel, probably way above ADP where he is already on here. I guess that's probably and true. So, I just think the, I, so I, then I, it comes down to Schuster, Smith, and, and Cup, and I could flip those two. I get the argument being on the team with Roethlisberger. I just didn't know what to make of the Martavis Bryant, Sammy Coates, Who's the other little shrimp they have running around out there that we were getting in our DFS lineups at the end of the year? <laughs> I know you're not talking about Antonio Brown. No, I was no, him in no, the whole no. Year. The other, the other one. <laughs> he's, he's escaping no, me right it's, now. It's, it's Eli Rogers. Eli Rogers. So I just, you know, where does Smith Schuster? He takes fit over. Into that? He takes over Eli Rogers' job because they've already said that he's a guy who they see playing in the slot. So and look, I don't love the situation in Los Angeles with the passing game or the offense either. Here's where my head's at. I think I, I'm. I still have some hope that Jared Goff is, can develop into a a, reason, a a decent passer. He was in college. I think the guy can. He can be a passer. Look, that jury's still way out. I'm not going to judge him all on year one. Mainly, I'm hopeful about the offensive staff they've brought in. I think Sean McVay is an outstanding offensive mind. That head coach they brought in. Uh, who else did they bring in? Matt Lafleur at quarterback coach who's been developing Matt Ryan. They got Greg Olson uh, who's come in uh, at quarterback coach, and he's developed other young players. So I'm hopeful there. But I think he ruined Blake Bortles. My, my main thing, though, is then I look at the depth chart, and look, I know they got Robert Woods, but Robert Woods is Robert Woods at this point. I was at Rams training camp last year. I saw the Mike Thomases and Pharaoh Brown. They drafted six guys last year, all who suck. They're bad. Their their wide receiver depth chart is terrible. So where I'm heading with this is I think there's a chance that Cooper Cup and Josh Reynolds walk into that team and are the two best wide receivers on the roster immediately. Maybe we can argue about Robert Woods. Yeah, he's the veteran, but we know what his upside is at this point. And so I see a direct line there for Cup and Reynolds. I think they have the chance to both move to the top of the depth chart. I Cooper Cup is just flat out an excellent receiver per our draft evaluations. We had him highly rated. And we discussed this before the pod, as much as we don't want to buy into Jared Goff yet, couldn't you see him relying on a receiver like a Cooper Cup? I could see it becoming his best friend. They're, pro they're birds of a feather. They even kind of look alike. <laughs> so know? I'll highlight Cup if we want to get him down a little bit there. I, do, you know what I, do, do you know what I think needs to happen? Is un, I mean, for one... It's close, though. I think under Zay Jones... Like, there needs to be just a new tier of wide receivers that starts at the very bottom of that running back tier. I want all those running backs ahead of any of those wide What outs. about those quarterbacks? Those quarterbacks can move down with them, with the wide receivers, and underneath the McNicholses, underneath the Joe Williams, and underneath and the Marlon, Marlon Max of the world. Okay, that's And easy. I think that that's beautiful. Well, these are very minor adjustments that I think we'll that, make. I think that one other major adjustment is I'm doing more work. Of, for one thing, I need to tell you, you need to quit doing this A-R-Z thing because it's, it's A-R-I is the appropriate thing, and our our, our programming guy okay. will, our programming guy is going to get very angry if he sees an A-R-Z. <laughs> but anyway, for the Cardinals, Chad Williams, doing a little bit more work on him and what Steve Kime has said about him. Uh, about what some of the beat reporters are saying about Chad Williams and how he brings a different skill set to the team than any wide receiver that they have on their roster. Looking at the current roster right now and knowing, I think for Dynasty, I think our boy Chad Williams, I, I kind of maybe like him a little bit better than this. And then I think also uh, the, the one other guy I wanted to mention that I might like a little bit better than this Funny, I thought is, I is, 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 is Trash Man's guy, Taewon Taylor. I think it needs to come up just a little bit from from where he is. I, Fair I, enough. I, I would be considering Taewon Taylor around the same area that I'm considering a D. D. maybe Westbrook. a yeah a D. D. Westbrook or a Chris Godwin. Well, I mean, I like Katie Cannon more than all those guys. More, not more than Godwin. I, I might like Katie Cannon more than all of them. I just have a little hesitation that he's an undrafted free agent. Yeah. There's just not much history yeah. behind those guys. Yeah, you should. You know, you really make worry. ADP is probably going to play into that. But I look, Katie Cannon, an undrafted free agent who's got a huge opportunity in San Francisco. That that is Bruce Ellington and. Who is it at the top of the depth chart? Quentin Patton, it's, Bruce yeah. Ellington. It is the worst wide receiver depth <laughs> chart there is. It was worse. It was the worst we'd seen before Torrey Smith left, and he was terrible. 
But I, look, Chad Williams, Taewon uh, Taylor, a player I really loved at the Senior Bowl. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I think I worry a little bit that Mariota hasn't really shown that he's a master orchestrator of a massive, uh, uh, prolific passing offense yet. They can feed a lot of mouths. I think he's still going to have to acclimate Corey Davis into the offense first and foremost. You've still got, I know you don't really like Tajay Sharp, but you still got Rashard Matthews, Tajay Sharp, a guy like Trey McBride never developed. You have Delaney Walker, who's been one of his favorite security blankets for Mariota. And then, then they went and drafted pretty early Jonu Smith, who some compare to a Delaney Walker to come into the picture as well. So I like Taylor. I, I think he's in a crowded situation with and a quarterback. It's a, and it's a that, low a, volume situation. A crowded low volume situation. And I, and I get it, but I, I think it's going to, I think that with the addition of Corey Davis, I think things are going to open up. I think that there is going to be some kind of chemistry and, and some kind of eventual one two punch there with Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor. That is episode 21 of the Roster Watch podcast. Find all of our tools at rosterwatch.com. The cheat sheet, the dynasty cheat sheet that we're fighting over and that we're talking about right now. You see the maniacal effort that we put into this, the maniacal thought that we put into this. It should be up on the website uh, here within the next 24 to 48 hours. Look for the new MFL 10 cheat sheet to be up within the next three to four days as we wind down through round five of the rookie landing spot fantasy primers. Again, it has been Byron Lambert. It has been Alex Dunlap. Go to rosterwatch.com. Get a pro membership. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a good review. Give us five stars. The Roster Watch Podcast, episode 21. We will see you next time. <laughs>